Okay, so it's quite surreal to actually be doing a podcast with Daniel Dehan because I'm currently sat where Dan and I originally wrote uh, our best-selling book, uh, which you, if you haven't got a copy, is called An Education in Online Dating. Um, Dan's a professional screenwriter that's worked for various big TV companies all around the world. And he's currently back in my hometown in Brighton. And I thought I would um, get him on the show and just talk about screenwriting, but specifically subtext and characters. Because I think that as someone who's got the ability to portray someone in the written word, there's something that we can all learn in our lives about our own character and what we can do to maybe enhance who we are already and to get a bit more energy behind our persona. So um, here you go. Here's the episode. Okay, and we're live. So first of all, welcome to the show, Dan. Thank you for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. Actually, it's funny. Uh, I spent a lot of time with Dan over the years. And one thing that he's really good at is giving people nicknames based on fictional characters. <laughs> and yeah, and some of the some of the fun we've had with this over the years is brilliant. So much so that whenever I'm out with Dan now and we meet someone, I already know that he's going to give them a nickname straight afterwards. So I just want to start with that. I mean, what is it the fact that you're a screenwriter? What enables you to like tune into someone to give them a nickname? Because it's actually really funny and just it's quite an insight into your personality. For me, it's an association because the old saying is everybody has a story to tell and I meet people day to day in my everyday life and the beautiful thing is everybody has a story to tell and it makes them unique and therefore they have a character to them so if I'm writing a script I go away and sometimes I can apply that on paper so the reason why I give them a nickname is normally I make an association so as you've known over the years sometimes we will meet somebody out somewhere socially and I will immediately give them a name that you are aware of because you know, they come from popular culture or wherever. Um, and for me, that makes them unique. It immediately defines them. It immediately means that I, they are special to me. And whenever I refer to them ever again, we will always laugh. We will <laughs> always know exactly why and who they are. All right, so uh, let's carry on with this. I mean, what makes a good character? As a screenwriter, what, what differentiates a good character from a bad character? I think it's two qualities for me personally. One, there has to be an absolute uniqueness to them. If they're going to be memorable, if they're going to be special to the audience, if they're gonna come alive, they have to be completely, completely unique. That's the first thing. The second thing is they have to be relatable in some way. You'll always hear expressions like love to hate with certain villains or hate to love in some cases. So it's always a thing that somebody somewhere goes, God, it reminds me of my boss. It reminds me of my old teacher. It reminds me of an ex. There's always something. So we kind of, you're forever linking things. You're forever going, oh yeah. And then as that happens, they grow more and more. They become more and more unique. And therefore they kind of start breathing a life of their own. They go from being this face without a name to someone iconic almost. And you just do that over time because they become relatable and they become unique. And it combines itself. I guess this is very similar then to when you uh, when you first meet someone, especially women for the first time. So <clears throat> your character develops over time as you get more familiar with the other person. But something that you said right at the start that is super interesting. So you mentioned the fact about a character has to be memorable. What kind of things in your experience are the most memorable things about characters? Because uh, there's certainly some things that you can do to be memorable in front of women. 
But as a writer creating characters, what are, would you say are the top three memorable facets that people have? I think first off, it's and it's the most important one for me because it's the first thing that springs to mind, is it's what the general public these days refi- recall as X Factor. It's For me, it's charisma. And I always say the same thing I've asked years before and I ask anybody's, what is charisma? You can't exactly define charisma, but you know when you see it and you know when you meet someone and you know when you meet a girl especially, that that is something that just grabs you. There has to be that thing where you're like, what is it about this girl that makes me think and feel and act the way I do, yet with other women, I can meet 10 other women over the course of you know a holiday, say if you're away, but none of them had the effect that that one did. And there's something there and it's an X factor and you cannot, for me at least, you don't want to. It's like magic. You don't want to know what makes it magic. So with regards to that though, what happens if you're trying to write a character that has charisma? Because for me personally, most people that I regard as charismatic have an energy to them. I think that's a, a secret source and it can be a calm energy, it can be an excitable energy, but there's a unique energy about them. I'm wondering how that works when you're trying to create a character from scratch. The reason why I'm asking this is because you know people of listening to this podcast may be able to tune in to what um, Dan's explaining to work out what it is about their own character that makes them great. So if you're, if you're just creating something from scratch, and you wanted to make this person a charismatic person. Is there something specific that you would do about that? Yeah, you simply capture their voice and how you capture their voice is you capture your own voice. I truly believe that appearances can be deceptive. Everybody has something about them that's charismatic. As you just said, a calm energy. They have an electricity around them. There's always something. There is something that makes them special the same way as everyone has a story to tell. Not everybody can extrapolate that from themselves. Sometimes you have to, it can be, as a writer, it can come out on paper. A lot of writers you meet, they're geeky little guys with laptops and caps. And you wouldn't think for a million years that they would have this way about them. But when you read their work, they come alive. And it's as simple as that. I think you have to capture your voice and put it into theirs on the page. And if you can combine that with what I said previously, which is about basically making them unique, it, they will come alive. They will become memorable. There will be something where your audience, and it won't be with everybody because we all know it's likes and dislikes. Your audience will read that or hear those words on screen. And it's almost like a, a key and a code. And it's like, you've got that code and that's your charisma coming through. So in terms of meeting a girl, or if you want to play a part, create a persona, whatever you do, there's that place inside of you that you kind of keep tucked away, that keep buried deep. And when you can get that, when you can hit that nerve, when it comes out of you, it's like, honestly, money can't buy it. I think you're, well, in my my own perception of this, it's your um, unadulted self-expression when you are just expressing who you are. I mean, you must feel this when you write yourself, you know, so I'd imagine writing can be a very difficult thing to do because you're obviously it's very solitary, but I would also imagine that when you can express yourself through a character, that that is your charisma coming through on paper. You're right. It's also a thing where some people would call it alter ego. Oh, they have an alter ego. Well, I don't necessarily believe in that. I believe that who you are is who you are. It's not a character you play or a part you play. It's you. It's just somewhere else. So we have many different sides to ourselves. 
it's something also that you touch on a lot and that's imagination when you write and you create a character the beautiful thing is and i've you know we've worked together over the years and i've explained to you before it's like drawing a cartoon when you create a cartoon there is no budget there is no deadline there is no technical format that you have to follow in terms of a minute per page it's your imagination someone saying there's your pencils there's your colors create and the the, the bubbles the, the words everything you have that freedom and our minds are like cartoons and when the, the trick i guess would be because as a writer when i'm writing i can only speak for myself that's the cartoon mm. when i've got that character in my head i just hear their voice and i've explained many times to you personally how i work i never hit writer's block because i will literally walk around all day i'll know my characters because they come from me or they'll know come from somebody i know and i will just let them i'll improvise i'll let them talk and talk and talk i've refined that scene in my head that dialogue i will then sit down at the end of the day i write it in one go i leave it i walk back i edit it at a later date and it's done and that is my imagination. Yeah, I'm actually, I wanted to come back to that a little bit um, later in this episode when we start talking about creative expression, but bringing it back to where we were a second ago about being memorable, um, it's certainly something I ascribe to, especially on my training courses where, you know, guys come to me that are very anxious about, you know, approaching women. And one of the things that I explain is that if you, if you want to make an impact with women, You've got to be memorable. There's got to be something about what you're doing that allows them to remember exactly who you are. And one of the one of the best ways of doing that is with energy. And you know, especially if you're going to go up to a girl that you've never met before, that you've seen her on the street, you want to go and make a good impact, right? And a lot of the time, what I see guys doing is very low energy. They're like, oh, excuse me, um, you know, I, I just wanted to say I really like this. And it's not really memorable, is it? Whereas if you bring up some energy and really hit your moments. You're like, excuse me, big lot of power coming through in your voice. The reason why I stopped you is because of this. Instantly, you can tell that that is way more memorable than when you do it with a, a like a lower key response. And once you've kind of made that memorable first impression, this is the next thing that I wanted to ask Dan about. When you're writing a character, because obviously when you've, when you've made your first impactful impression with a girl and she stopped and you're in dialogue with her, the next thing you want to do is show off some kind of depth of character because what most guys do when we meet women is we just show off who we are in that moment and i explain it like if you imagine um, like a line on a piece of paper your depth of character is what's underneath that line that's going to allow her to find out more about who you are but when you're writing specifically a character how do you add depth to his personality what are some of the things that you would typically do well, first of all, I've got a question for you. What is energy to you? Because I'm asking that because I want to know, because we're all individual, as I've said, whether we're characters or whether we're day-to-day -day life meeting girls in the street or in clubs and bars. What is energy to you? Because different people have different energies. We can't all be the same. We can't all be, otherwise we come across as formulaic. And I'm guessing in your courses, mm. if you taught the same energy, what works for one person may not work for the next. So if you can answer me that, I think I know how to answer my side of it. Yeah, no, I can. Uh, so I'm, I'm just going to explain a little um, analogy, I think it is. If you imagine that you go and you queue up to see your favourite music artist and you're super excited about seeing them and then you've queued up for ages, you finally got there, you've planned for it, you've paid good money. And when you arrive, they mime. And that feeling of disappointment that you get 
from witnessing someone who potentially could be great just rehearsing lines. That is a great um, analogy for what happens with a lot of guys, especially in um, the murky pickup artist world, which is a murky world because, you know, a lot of guys are very unconfident and, and they get their confidence from having specific lines. So your music, so to speak, sing this song and people will revere and will like it. But actually you end up just being a puppet. And when you rehearse your lines, there is no energy. And that's what I mean. You can have about you lines or not necessarily lines, but things that you'd like to say, but the energy comes when you go off script. We've all had this when you're talking to women and they're really attractive. And as soon as you feel anxious, what's the first thing you do? You start talking about facts and you start getting boring. Energy is when you are able to throw the script away and just go with the flow. And that is a process that you can learn. It's what I've taught people for many years. It's something that I do in when I present, whenever I speak, what I'm doing, exactly what I'm doing now. So I have my confidence in what I want to talk about, but I'm going off kilter. And there is this energy that comes through doing that. If I think about this, the answer I think we're both looking for is that energy is charisma. Everybody has a different energy. Therefore, everybody's charisma is different. Mm. Your energy, and I've seen it in the flesh, is a lot more high octane, it's a lot more high energy. My energy, my charisma, I guess, is it, there's a power of stillness, a power of silence to me. We're two very different personalities. That's why we've worked together so well before. I think therefore that, and it's something I talk about a lot and we've discussed at length before, you and I, subtext. Whenever we meet somebody, whenever we, whenever I'm writing a scene and I've got, and there's dialogue and I'm furthering the story, you have to entice somebody. If they're new, if they're learning something from you, if they're meeting for the first time, whatever it might be, you've got to entice them. And I always, you'll hear me say it's because it's an expression you have in writing, which is, or, or even in acting, it's play the scene like you have a secret. And whatever that secret is, it's your secret. But somebody, I'm assuming when you, you know, if, you, if I'm writing a rom-com or you're teaching on a course, it's the same principle. The objective, and everybody has an objective whenever they go into this. The same way as when I'm writing, I have, my character has to have an objective of that scene. So it's the same principle for you and one of your clients. They have an objective and that is to get this girl's number, to get this girl to smile, to get this girl to want to know more about them, whatever it may be. You're furthering that story. You're furthering that scene and every line and every word and every scene and every page you're furthering the story. Your client is furthering his story with that girl. And the best way to do it, as we know, is using an element of mystery. The way we use mystery is to have a secret. That secret is something that we refer to as subtext. And if you have subtext, which subtext in a nutshell is the words behind the words. It's the meaning behind the words. And it's an instinctive thing. Uh, we are all animals in the jungle. You know, you and I both agree on this. And we pick up on instincts far more than we do the facts because people can say anything and they do in this day and age. And with social media, you can portray anything you like. But subtext and our instincts as human beings, as a boy meets girl, it's the most unique thing on earth. It's in our DNA and nobody, nobody can replicate that. It is spontaneous, it is unique, it is absolutely profound when you think about it 
and with subtext you can say something and it's another word that you use a lot you will convey so much in that that even if they don't know your secret even if they don't know what makes you mysterious they will want to know more and therefore by doing that you achieve your objective but again going back to what we were saying it takes a heck of a lot of confidence without even realizing or belief confidence is not always a word i necessarily subscribe to but a hell of a lot of belief and when you have that belief you become charismatic because that is your energy that's how i would sum that up so what i wanted to do here um i wanted to delve into this a bit more but for um the listeners what i just wanted to give you a, a cast iron way that you can implement the strategy that dan's talking about here because obviously dan's a, an expert screenwriter and he knows exactly how to convey mystery with a character and um, one thing he was speaking about is obviously withholding a secret now on my training courses one great thing that i teach people to do is that if you imagine that you have 10 gold coins and every time a girl asks you a question if you answer it directly you are giving away one of your coins because what's happening is you are losing that air of mystery about you because if you think about it when most guys meet women for the first time they're very keen to express who they are as a person and to talk about themselves a lot. And what we find with that type of behavior, that it's very validation seeking. It's like, well, why are you telling her this information? And if you look at the subtext, it's because you're trying to seek this girl's validation because you find her attractive. Now, what happens is when you have the 10 gold coin strategy, you instantly move from seeking her validation towards knowing your own value because you realize that your information is important to you. And this is a big difference. So that's a, a real big takeaway for anyone listening that wants to learn how to be more mysterious. But um, the, the thing I was, wanted to speak to you a, a bit more about here is having an objective, uh, because that's actually fairly obvious, but at the same point, it's not obvious at all. Um, because we, we spoke about this recently and actually my takeaway from it was, was very interesting. You know, I don't always have an objective with everything that I do in my life. And often on my training courses, maybe some of my clients' objective is to just go and approach a girl. But actually, the better you can make that objective, the more likely you are to actually go and do it. So when you're writing a character, and obviously the subtext is their objective, how do you build that into actually what they're saying and what they're doing? So for example, subtext is that there's a guy on a date with a girl and they've gone for a drink together. If you were gonna write that scene, how could you write that in a way uh, where he's holding his mystery while he's in dialogue with her? I know that's a bit of a difficult question. <laughs> I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but do you, do you see what I'm, I'm asking? I see exactly. And it is a difficult question, but, and I can only talk from my own experiences. I've written rom-coms before. Um, I've gone on dates before, as you know. Uh, they're two of the same thing. They're, yes, one is a lot more um, constructed, it's a lot more you know, contrived, but ultimately it's the same thing. And what you have to remember is, I think that men and women on dates, we play a game. Uh, we bring our side to the game, they bring their side. We have our objective, they have theirs. When I'm writing a scene, it's the same thing. I will, as I said to you about writer's block, I avoid it because whenever I'm writing, the moment I hit that mark where I go down, what do I say next? I swap characters, perspective, and I go, well, what would the other person say? Because that's how we communicate. When we have dialogue, when we talk, we don't, you speak, 
I speak, we talk over each other, we interrupt, we, you know, whatever it is. So on a date, you have to look at it that our objective, no matter how mysterious we might be, no matter how much subtext there might be, it's there's two sides to the coin. And so as much as he is thinking, okay, how can I convey who I am to this girl without revealing, without necessarily answering her directly? She's also thinking, does he like me? An example of that is myself. I went on a date a while back and I discussed it with you. And I genuinely liked this girl. She did not show her hand. Normally, she played me at my own game because that's what I do. I don't normally show my hand. And there were certain things that she did throughout the evening that started to kind of ring true. She was a little late. She was late because she was getting ready and she was making a lot of effort. That told me that, okay, she must like me to some degree because that's her subtext. The evening went on. I am notorious. It's something that I do, whether I mean to or not, I'll never know, but it's something that I do, I've become naturally, is that I don't answer questions directly. It's just, that's just me. And I could tell that throughout the evening, she, as cool as she played it, as nice as she looked, she kind of wasn't showing her hand and I wasn't showing mine. And at the end, after a couple of glasses of wine, I guess you get to that point in the evening, post dessert, where it's like, okay, where is this going? Or what's the deal here? And I had to say to her, look, my job, I'm a writer. And if I'm writing a scene, and if this was a scene, let's take ourselves, let's take you and I out of the equation here. And you're looking at this through a screen. The scene is a man and woman on a date. The man is trying to not prove himself, but he's trying to convey his greatest qualities. She is trying to, she looks the part and she's trying to make him attracted to her. But you know what? She wouldn't be on the date if she didn't like him. So she wants him to like her. And I merely pointed out, I said, if I was writing this scene, your objective, and I explained to her where I was going with it, and it's exactly the same as answering this question. I said, your objective is you want to know whether I like you. My objective is I want you to like me for who I am. So I said, well, think about it. We've sat here for the last three and a half hours. You turned up 20 minutes late because you were getting ready and you look stunning. Now, if I didn't like you, my focus would dwindle. After a while, I would start looking across the room. I'd look at the barmaid. I'd look at the waitress. I'd look at the girl queuing up for the toilet, whatever it would be. But it hasn't. My focus has remained on you. Everything about this evening has remained on you because that was my objective. Because you're not stupid. You would know if my eye wanders. We've all known, we've all seen couples out having an argument because he has let his eye wander to a girl that's walked past. She's caught him, blah, blah, blah. We've all seen it, but that hasn't happened here. So what does that convey to you is what I said to her. And she got it and I said, that is subtext without having to say anything. And it's a quote I use all the time, Jean Cocteau, never state what you can imply. I have just implied (laughs) that I like you without saying a word. If you were aware enough and switched on, you would see it. Instinctively, you've picked up on it because here we are, we've been gripped in conversation last three and a half hours, and we're still here at the end of the night. You've not run off or gone to the toilet and not come back. Hmm. So it's interesting here how Dan uses his skill set in his profession when he's actually out and about meeting women. And what he was really doing was controlling the frame of the interaction. And the way that he was doing that was by giving a story about subtext. And it's really interesting that a lot of people, um, especially a lot of my clients in the past, they're not aware that they can take their existing skill set at work and make it work for them outside of work when they're meeting women. 
Normally, our profession allows us the luxury of being very specialized in one area, like Dan is with screenwriting. Um, this, this kind of brings me on, actually, because um, I did a podcast on Charlie Chaplin a little while ago. And the reason why I find him such a fascinating character is because he's silent. And it got me thinking, and obviously anyone that's listened to the podcast knows that the power of silence with women is subtext. It has to be because you're not saying anything at all. Uh, and the reason why this is interesting is because you can choose when to reply to a girl's text. You can choose or select when to call her back. And you can select whether you actually want to text or call someone back too. So I certainly ascribe to the fact that silence is just as powerful as dialogue. And I wanted to just get your views on using silence in writing and whether that's something that's actually done or whether it's um, communicated a different way that perhaps I'm not aware of. Goes reminds me actually goes back to that old quote that Marlon Brando used to use just because someone says action doesn't mean you have to do anything you just mentioned you refer to Charlie Chaplin the beautiful thing with Charlie Chaplin was what made him great and he didn't have to say a word as we know it's two things one he used his imagination his imagination in terms of comedy was genius he could do things that nobody else would either have the balls to do or think of doing and that's because he was always one step ahead. And the trick of being one step ahead is knowing yourself. And that was his power. And you can do that in many different ways. And there's an expression that you'll hear. The power of silence and the power of stillness are the two currencies one must invest in. Because there are times when we don't know what to say. As I said to you, as a writer, there are times where I just hit that line, that snag, and I just go, I don't know. So we have to switch focus and I go to the next character. But obviously in day-to-day -day life or on a date, you don't have that choice. Mm -hmm. So you have to you have to take that idea of, oh, there's a formula, there's a script, and you have to throw it away and you're improvising. Sometimes we just dry up. Our brains just don't go there, no matter how much in that moment and that clock is ticking. And we've all been there, we all know it. But you have to, have to, have to believe in yourself that you, with a look, with your eyes, can say more than 10 words in a sentence every mm. time. And the way you say a word, you could say one word, but you can say it. You know, there's a very, very famous scene in a Clint Eastwood movie, um, I think he's escaped to Alcatraz, and someone asked him, because he's this surly, kind of cool, cold, removed character. He doesn't show his hand anything. He's just typical Clint Eastwood, and he's awesome. He is like alpha male to the max. And someone says to him, they're trying to get to know him. And they say to him, what was your childhood like? And he answers with one word. He just looks at them and he goes, brief. The word brief. And the way he said that one word and what it meant and what it represented, it literally said so much. We, talk, we spoke of subtext earlier. Mm. That one word, brief, and it makes your mind go, what happened to you? What made you become a hero? How did you end up where you are here? That one word. And it was absolutely the most perfect example. That's uh, also a great example of how to show depth of character, which is something we were speaking about earlier. Because uh, in that one word, he showed off his depth. Because the fact, the fact that he didn't go in and talking about it was interesting. One of the things that I do um, on my courses is um, I get guys when they're speaking to women to revert back to childhood stories. So say, for example, you're speaking to a girl and she mentions a birthday. I ascribe to saying, oh, my earliest childhood experience of a birthday is this. 
And the reason why it's powerful is because you're getting an unedited version of being who you are. You remember it because obviously it's part of your personality, but also there's emotional attachments. So typically memories are extremely powerful ways of like as a delivery vehicle to showing off who you are. And with that Clint Eastwood example, you were showing in a different way how to have depth of character. Are there any other ways like techniques or written ways that you go about adding depth? Because when we are meeting women, showing that we have depth without stating it, but implying it like Clint Eastwood did is super, super powerful. I think the answer to that is you don't have to, because if you're energetic, like we were saying, whether it's in a calm way, in a high octane way, it doesn't matter. If you have that energy, energy in whatever form stem from passion. And if you're passionate about something, a cause, your career, a person, whatever it may be, if you are passionate, that will say everything you need to. Because I truly, truly believe the one thing that women relate to, and I'm saying this not from, I'm not, I'm not in your field at all, I'm in my field, but it's the same principle. It's why women will go to see chick flicks far more. Women respond to passion. You can be passionate about your dog, your goldfish, whatever it might be. If you are passionate about something, it conveys and states so much about you. That is uh, a great um, explanation actually as to why people buy into people with passion. And it brings me on to actually the, the final segment that I wanted to discuss in this episode, which is about creative expression. And for anyone that's never been to any of my courses before, one of the things that I try and get everyone to do is to move from being a content consumer to being a content creator. And obviously Dan in his life is a screenwriter. So he is writing all the time. He's creating his own content. So as you're listening to this, there must be something in your life that you care about. You know, Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory is another example. Something you care about more than anything else in the world. That's the reason why I started this podcast, because this is the one thing out of everything that I do that I love more than anything. And it's my way of self-expressing, storytelling, getting out stories and information. I just love doing it. And what I wanted to discuss with Dan, because obviously I've been creating content now for near enough a decade, and Dan's been creating it for um, a much longer period than me. I just wanted to talk about techniques of doing it, what happens when it doesn't work, just to give you guys an inside, if you haven't ever created content, some some like routines, not routines, but some ways of going about it that can perhaps save you some time or get into that creativity quicker. So I don't know if there's any advice that you can offer someone. Um, for me personally, it's that old adage of keep making mistakes. The greats we see, whether it's musical artists we like, whether it's writers, that we've, you know, we've read their works over the years, whether it's an actor that we are absolutely, we love everything that they touch, turns to gold, whatever it may be. For me, it's a thing where you have to, they make it look easy. And the reason why they make it look easy is because they've practiced it and they've made their mistakes over the years. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And it's interesting, until you've done something, you don't know what the other side of the coin is. So if you're thinking about creating a piece of content and putting it online, don't think about 10, think about one. And you trust me, you don't know how you feel until you've done it. I mean, this is the second interview I've done on my podcast. I didn't know how I was going to feel until I did the first one. You do the first one with the skill set you've got, and then you refine it for the next time along. The important thing is don't in 10 or 20 episodes back, 
delete your original ones because that's where you've come from. That's super important and it shows how you're developing over a period of time. Uh, another like um, quick fire question is, what are some things that don't work when you're trying to be creative? When you're not honest, when you're not, I don't like the word organic, I really don't, but you'll hear it a lot, especially in my industry, I hear it all the time, oh, it's not organic. As much as I don't like the word, there's a lot of truth to it. People pick up, same thing if you meet a girl mm. and you're trying to be someone you're not, or something you're not. Be a first rate you, don't be a second rate someone else. In other words, whatever you're creating, whether it's a podcast, whether it's whatever it may be, it could be an Instagram page, whatever you're doing, keep it real, make it authentic because you know what? Times change, people's change. And I do, I honestly truly believe that we change with them. The most successful artists, whoever creative, even what you're doing here today, Gary, Whatever you do, you get better over time. You will put your mistakes behind you, you'll watch it. As you said, it's a journey, you'll follow it. And it's no different from that or meeting a girl in the street. Take the risk to put it out there and watch it grow. I completely agree with you. I mean, when you're talking to women, if you're trying to be something that you're not, you have to run it through that filter to make sure that you're coming across a certain way. And it's certainly a trap that a lot of us fall into in our lives where we're trying to put out a certain persona, literally throw it away. You know, even if you try to be that your whole life, you're putting yourself under stress. You're trying to be something you're not. That is going to make you more anxious, more worried, more stressed as a person because you're worried about what other people are thinking. That is going to kill your creative juices as an individual. And it's just going to stop you from being able to access stuff and to self-express properly. Um, what would be the one um, piece of advice you could offer someone that has never written anything or perhaps they're amateur writers, what's the one piece of advice you can give them to start taking the steps to actually making a profession of what they do? And the reason I ask you this is because there's a couple of people on my courses who are writers, they don't do it for a living, but they love what they do. And they are um, perhaps looking at moving their life to become professional. So what would be a, a good piece of advice there? Well, first of all, I've been where they are. Uh, once upon a time, I wasn't paid for what I did, but no one can stop you doing what you love. And if you truly, truly love it, and it's who you are, you will find your voice. You find your voice by having absolute belief in yourself. You have belief in yourself by having the strength of character to take that risk. No different from asking that girl for a number, mm. whatever it may be, it's taking that leap. And I know it's very easy to sit here and say with hindsight, you go, oh yeah, I, I, you know, I managed to do it, that's me. But you sit there and you can make lists about lists, but it doesn't get it done. No. And the bottom line is the sooner you, and I, I've always said this, and I've said it to you numerous times, as you know, it's something I always say is that if you are creative, an artist, a writer, an actor, you have a voice. And sooner or later, that voice will speak. It may not speak today, it may not speak next week, next year, but at some point in your life, if it hasn't already, that voice will speak. And when it speaks, it will have to come out of you and it will find a way. My honest, honest, honest opinion, and I say it from my own, because I've walked in these shoes and I've walked this path, is that don't think about it, just do it. Because once you've done that, you watch what happens. It just rolls and it grows as it does. Yeah, I mean, from my own perspective here, I was, I've was i been creating content, as I say, for many years now. 
And when I decided to launch this podcast, I literally had this stuff that was just dying to come out of me. I think I recorded like 20 episodes in two or three days. It just couldn't wait to get out of me. And that's creativity that's just that burning desire to come out of you. And that's your artistic expression. That's who you are as a person. Um, I think uh, I've just got one quick question for Dan before we wrap this up. So I want his uh, unadulted, unfiltered first thought to this question just, just to round it up. Um, if you had to write a book about your life, what would you call it? Oh, really, really good question. Killer Instinct. Killer Instinct. Okay, well, that about wraps up this episode. Um, if anyone's got any questions that they'd like to pose to Dan, then obviously you can just go to the YouTube episode and, and comment on there and uh, I'll get Dan to um, check in and just um, maybe reply to a few comments. My takeaway points from this episode uh, very interesting about you know what a character is and what char charisma is and how we can access that with different energies um, and obviously just discussing subtext I mean that's something that most of us don't think but Dan's analogy of the words behind the words or the meanings behind the words is brilliant because actually allows you to recognize what's going on um, and while he was speaking I just thought you know what how many times are you sat on a date and if you think about the subtext, you're the one leaning into her. She's the one that looks like she's got the value. So taking a direct response of what Dan's just said, we can claim back the authority and start sitting back and chilling to make the subtext work in our favor. So I hope you've enjoyed today's episode and I'll catch you next time.